Well, um, I, I wanted to carry on with a series that's been on my heart that the Lord has given us. I'm, I'm talking about life, and essentially I'm talking about resurrection life. And, you know, when the Bible talks about eternal life, um, or we say, we're saying, you know, often we, we use the word that you can have everlasting life. And, 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 you know, I don't like the English word very much because it gives you the idea that, that when God gives life, it's just got to do with something about duration. When Jesus gives life, it's just about duration. It's not just about duration, as you're going to see in the series. We, we do, as a side benefit, do get a duration. We do have a life that will not end, and that's how it actually says it in the Greek. It's Zoe Ionis. It's, it's got to do with life that's got no end. We can experience life, but we get to experience life without an end. But guess what? We can experience life now. And we need to lay hold, like I read in that scripture a couple of weeks ago, where, where Paul writing to Timothy said, take hold of life, which is truly life. He wasn't saying, go and get born again, Timothy, my son, the pastor of Ephesus. He wasn't saying that. He was saying, take hold of this life that you've been given. To, that you've been given. And so um, uh, last week, I was, we were talking about one of the first prayers in the book of Ephesians. And there are two magnificent prayers, one in chapter 1 and one in chapter 3, where Paul is, is teaching the Ephesians, or writing to the Ephesians, and, and he said, this first prayer is so packed, and I try to, I know was, I said it was chunky last week, and I want to encourage you, I encourage you to go and, and read it and extract that, that there's so much richness in, in that prayer. But, but just in a way of summary, um, really, he starts off in verse 16, and he, and he says, uh, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, by the way, I'm reading it in the New King James Version, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of uh, of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand uh, in the heavenly place, at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but then that which is to come. There, to, to, as we started unpacking this, um, and I said this about the prayer. Paul, Paul is not just saying, I'm a wishing and a hoping that, that, he, that he's, where he's praying. He says, I'm just not asking God that, oh, God, please just help these poor little Ephesians. So he says, no, he was, he was, he, he, it's new covenant prayer. He was declaring, he was praying and declaring for them these, these truths that the, that, that the Father of glory may give you uh, the spirit of wisdom. Now, I'm not going to, we'll touch on the word glory again a little bit later, but uh, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? In the knowledge of Him. That's what He said. I said, I pray that, the, that, that He gives you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I said this, the word knowledge is, is not just, there's a few Greek words for knowledge. It's not just information. He says that you, you will have an accurate, full, and precise, correct knowledge of Him. That's what that word, it's not just gnosko which is one of the Greek words of intimate knowledge, it's epigenosko. It's like I, you're going to really, really, that you really have an intimately, intimate knowledge of God. 
That's what his prayer is. And he says, I pray for the, you have the spirit of wisdom, which is a practical application of knowledge and of a revelation in the knowledge of him. And then he carries on. And then he says, uh, uh, that the eyes of your understanding, it says in the, this, that the eyes of your understanding, that word understanding, if you go and look it up in many translations, it does int interpret it differently. It's the eyes of your heart being enlightened. Your heart has eyes. Your heart has eyes. The eyes of your heart being enlightened that you may know what is, there's three things that he prays there. That your eyes of, you're going to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in this intimate knowledge, the super intimate, accurate knowledge of him. So that you can know in your heart, with the eyes of your heart being filled of light, that you can know three things. One, what is the hope of his calling? Not your calling. Your calling your calling has a place in His calling. There is one calling that we all participate in, and some people, we call it the Great Commission. There is a calling that we get to participate in. So He says, what is the hope of His calling? I'm telling you this, if you don't know what your calling is, don't stress. Focus on what He is called in. Focus on what God has called us to do as a body of Christ. And guess what will happen? As you focus and seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, those things will figure their way out. Right. It's when we don't pursue those things with this sort of this tenacity that we can live our life on the side and never really find our calling within His calling. But He says that you will know the hope of His calling. And then He says, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? That's the second thing. His inheritance in the saints. Not your inheritance. And I said this. You do not have a covenant with God. You do not have an inheritance from God. Jesus has the calling. Jesus has the covenant. And Jesus has the inheritance. We get to participate in it. We, and I read those scriptures. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are in Christ. We get to benefit in everything Jesus earned. He earned the covenant. He has the covenant. That means, guess what? If you're in Jesus, you can't break the covenant. The covenant is with Jesus. The inheritance was earned by Jesus. I know I flashed through some of that last week, but it was a, he became a curse. He took the whole curse of the law. He, every promise in him is yes and amen. Yes and amen. Why? Because the promises were to the seed. The, the seed, the promises were to Jesus. These are, these are foundational things to realize, okay? And then he said this in the next one. He said the third one is, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to, um, toward us who believe? And I'm going to stop there. <clears throat> what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? I mentioned this, and I'm going to, I'm going to just interject this piece from the Amplified uh, Bible, the Amplified Classic. It's that you, you may, what is the exceeding greatness or, or, or the, sorry, here's how the Amplified Classic says it. Um, and what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of His power in and for us who believe? I'm going to say that again. Listen. The immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of His power in and for us who believe. That's a lot of greatness. And that's a lot of power. Okay. So I know that sometimes, because I said it was chunky because 
It takes a bite, but you've got, to, you've got to be able to go back and say, wow, I've got to process that a little bit. Okay, wow, there's this much greatness in us and for us. The RSV, because a lot of the prepositions, just this thing about, uh, about prepositions in, in Greek, you've got to, normally, there, you can say if it could be toward or inside or next to, there, there are those prepositions. That's why sometimes if you compare translations, they'll translate them somewhat differently, like we see here in the Amplified or the RSV. says in us as well, his power in us, which is accurate. It's not just toward us. That was the, inter that was the, the interpreter's, uh, the, the translator's uh, prerogative to say, well, I think it means this. And they just put one of the prepositions in. But you can actually, when, you, when some of those prepositions are and you see different translations, that's why I love using um, the Version Bible app because I have like 10 or 12 different versions that you get for free. And there's got a little compare button at the bottom and you can hit compare. And you can see, and you can scroll through a whole bunch, and you'll see, oh, wow, some people translate this differently. That's because the Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek. And so there's ways and there's, there's, there's nuances of, of, of translating it into English. And so we don't have to go into that. But, but know that there's power, this exceeding greatness. Uh, the, uh, we could unpack that for a whole message just about how awesome this power is. But then it says, what power? Now, remember, this power is inside of us, and we're going to unpack this a little bit in, in the next little while. There's a power that's inside of us, and it's toward us, but it is inside of us. And he says, this power, okay, <clears throat> according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ, which he raised him, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at, the, at his right hand in the heavenly places. Wow. The same power. The same power, that exceeding, surpassing, awesome greatness of power that God used when he raised Jesus from the dead. Now, that's not just going to a gravestone and saying, wakey, wakey. <laughs> We've got to understand what Jesus accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection. And, and I've spoke about other things here. But Jesus, you understand, he became sin for us. Second yes. Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin, to become sin, that in him we might become the very righteousness of God. I go into that in our D group, and we, we touch on that. But, but God, Jesus, I know that's not a super popular message for some reason. Religion doesn't like it, that Jesus actually became sin. There's a lot of churches that actually don't. They said he just carried the sin. He just took it on a backpack and actually carried it to sin. No, he became sin. That's why he was forsaken by his father. That's why he was demonstrated as a serpent on a pole. What would be lifted up. He became sin. He became every one of your sin, your sicknesses, your failures, your faults. Every one of ours was he, Jesus took in himself. He was separated from his father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he goes down. He goes to hell and the grave. And he has victory in there. He defeats over a I don't know exactly how he defeated, but I know that he defeated, conquered, and had complete victory over every one of your sins, my sins, inefficient. You name it. Every part of the victory of the cross... Every part of the victory he earned within three days and was raised to new life. 
Listen, I'm very aware of the fact that this takes some work to process. Because you have to take some knowledge like that because we've all been religiousized to certain things. We've been numbed to certain things. That's why Paul prays this. I pray that the eyes of your heart is enlightened. I pray, that's my prayer for you. That you can see that. That you can see the greatness. What thing? His calling. You know, his inheritance. And this great power that raised him from the dead that's inside of you. You see, we don't need to ask God for the power. We need a revelation that we have the power. We don't ask God for going, oh God, please won't you give? No. Remember, faith is, and we've touched on this a couple of things, faith is looking backward at what God has accomplished. Tetelestai, it is finished, it is done. It doesn't look to the future, it looks to the past. It looks to what Jesus has earned. That's why we can say with complete surety, every promise is yes and amen. Why? Not just because 1 Corinthians one twenty says it. Is that 2 Corinthians? Sorry. 2 Corinthians. Yeah, well, I put my... Not because it just says it in the Bible. It does say it in the Bible. But why? Why? Because it was with Jesus. You see, if we're going to experience life, we've got to understand what Jesus did and learn how to participate in this. There is, a, there is a way that we participate in it. There's a way that we can allow this to happen in our hearts. For one, you can say, amen. amen. And not just the words out there, but you can say, yes, Lord, I agree with every word that you say. I'm going to trust and take what your word says. Remember I said in the last couple of weeks, every word of God, this is why we found it, every word of God. God has exalted his word above his name. As great as all his names are. God has exalted his word above it. We've got to understand that because we've got to be able to take these things that religion doesn't want you to hear. Let me tell you, the Satan doesn't want you to hear. Because you will become a power machine. You'll become what Jesus said in John 12, that the works that I do, you will do also. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Remember, he was a man. I've said this. So these are the foundations I've laid in the last weeks. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the man. Remember, he had emptied himself. And Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do also. And even greater. Dare we believe that? Or dare we we just play play church games? Let's have a church club and let's do the fried chicken thing on the end of the thing. And whatever (laughs) pizza, whatever hamburgers, sorry, whatever we're doing. It's just like, listen, guys, it's more than a club. This is far more, it's great that we, we need one another. We need the body to be the body. But man alive, if we know and we can lay, that's why I say this is a journey. Yeah. I, I, I have been seeing some things. I've been meditating on these, some of these things for months. And I don't even feel like I've laid hold of some of them. I know I haven't, but I know that I'm seeing things like things are popping and are getting in. Wow, oh Lord, there's things that I'm seeing and. And it's just like, how we, we can lay hold of this life. Now I'm sorry to see, that's why Paul said to Timothy, take hold of life, which is this true stuff. 
That's why. I mean, and I said, oh, there's, yeah, just go back and <laughs> listen to these because there is so much there. In, I, I, I love um, the Weiss translation. Joy, I don't know if it's still in there, but um, at that Weiss is different because um, if you carry on down a few verses, uh, Joy, let's try and find verse 19. I don't know if Corin put it in there. Um, I know it's just hard because Weiss there. What is, look at this. This is how Weiss translates this. What is the superabounding greatness of his inherent power to us who are believing? Weiss, by the way, puts tenses into English so it doesn't, it, to try and keep the Greek tense. So he says, to us who are believing ones as measured by the operative energy of the manifested strength of his might. Next verse. Which, was, which, which might was operative in, Christ, in the Christ when he raised him from among the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above. I think I forget exactly where it say. His right hand far over and above. That's right. Over and above every government and authority and power and lordship and every name. See how many ands are here. Every government and authority and power and lordship and every name that is constantly being named, not only in this age. What? You see, we've been given something here that outlasts this age. But also in the one to come. You know, we could spend months in the book of Ephesians because it goes into chapter 2. And remember, chapters and verses were added only a few hundred years ago. But it goes into chapter 2 and it says that we've been raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places. Raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places. Listen, I know that our brains just go, eh. (laughs) Remember that ad where the guy's head just pops like like an egg and you just see purple smoke. Sometimes it's just like, well, listen, these truths... All you have to do when you begin a journey is be willing to take the step. That's That's all. You see, right now when the seed of God's word is sown and you hear something like this, you can just reject it and say, well, I don't think so. I don't believe that. Or you can say, God, open my eyes. Open the eyes of my heart that I can see your truth. That's what I want. I don't want you to hear me. I want us, because I tell you, we, I'm telling you, we are living way belong beneath who God made us. We're all going to be wanting to kick ourselves when we see, when we're in heaven one day. You mean I could have done that? You mean I could have had that? Why did I settle for this? Why did I settle for that? Why did I feel? That's because we haven't learned to take hold of life. In fact, Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says, because if you confess, you know it very well, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now that is, we use this just as a salvation scripture because that's what we have done with the word salvation, soteria. We have just, oh, well, if you just say the magic words, say these words. Just repeat after me, say, Jesus is Lord, you know, and I believe that God raised him from the dead. And then we say those words and we say, oh, you see, you saved. Right? Yeah, that's what has been done. That's what I used to do. That's what I was taught to do. That's what people did to me. This is not just a little um, abracadabra, what the word that I'm trying to, a little spell that you say. 
He says over here, he says that if you confess, if you say the same thing with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord. You declare with your mouth, right? And then he says, and believe in your heart. There you go again. There's Shannon on that heart thing. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be, you see, believing, as we've said so often, is with the heart. Because the very next verse says, for with your heart one believes. You hear me saying it often. You can't believe with your head. You can agree with your head, but you must believe with your heart. Your heart takes persuading. That's what the whole parable of the, so of the sower is about. Mark 4 and other places. You can only agree with your head. You can choose to say, yes, Lord, amen, and so be it. But I'm going to have to find the soil of my heart. Let it get deep. I'm going to have to water it. I'm going to have to weed it so that the seed of God's word can produce fruit in my life. It's like that with any word of God. Or the birds, if you don't do anything with the God's word, guess what happens? The birds of the air just take the seed and guess what? It does nothing. You wasted your time. I just, but I read the Bible. There's people that can quote the Bible. There's, there's, there's people that aren't even Christians that can quote parts of the, lots of the Bible, that own lots of Bibles. That doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. You've heard me say this before. What is believing your heart? The heart makes the difference between singing and worship. Come on now. It makes the difference between talking and prayer. There's a lot of religions that say, here's your little prayer. Take these little beads and count them one by one and just say these little magic words. Light this little candle. Sprinkle with this. Stand up, sit down, turn around, whatever you have to do. You know, it's like, it's just like... You, Sorry, I don't mean that, that Stephen, no, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but it's with the heart that we believe. We engage with the heart. That's why, G, that's why God says to people, he says, you guys, your worship is with me is from your lips. You worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Do you think God's just interested in worship? We don't come to worship. Listen, this is not a worship service. I, that just ticks me off. I'm sorry. We don't come because God needs a little bit of fluffing up. We don't come for a worship service. Do you think God needs worship? No. We don't, he doesn't need your worship. Sorry. We need to worship God because when we proclaim, when we praise His name, we're hearing the praise. We're declaring His greatness to one another. We're encouraging one another. We're reminding our hearts before. We're reminding our hearts just how good and how awesome and how mighty He is and what the cross has done and how His love will never leave us. And we are building ourselves up with the truth. God doesn't say, oh, at last they're worshiping me. He doesn't, He is God. He doesn't need nothing. He is self-existent, eternal. That's what the word Jehovah means. He doesn't need anything from us. It's great to worship God. It's great to align ourselves. Do you know that He is the definition of goodness? Anything that aligns with God is good. Anything that aligns with His Word, His will, His nature, His character is good. That's how we define good. Anything that doesn't line up with God is not good. Anyhow, that's another day. Sorry, I don't know. Threw that out. But your heart... Here it says, in, I, I, you, I don't want to go into the heart for very long here, but, but you'd know this. It's with your heart that you believe, it says in Romans 10, 10. It's with your heart that you can doubt. Do, does not doubt in his heart, Mark eleven twenty three, Proverbs 2, verse uh, 1 says that incline your heart to understanding. 
That means you can direct your heart to some degree. You can incline your heart to understanding. If you want to understand, guess who does the inclining? You. Me. You have to incline your heart to understand. If you just say, oh, I don't understand. Ding, ding. Okay, well, incline your heart. Seek it. It says like, no, if it costs you everything you have, get wisdom, get insight, get understanding. It says it costs, and literally, you've got to go and read Proverbs 1 through 9. It says, no matter what it costs you, get this. Because this is what it'll do for you. And that it lays all these benefits. It's going to add long life. It's going to protect you. It's going to do this. And it's going to do this. And it's going to do this. And it's going to do this. If you just get the insight, the understanding, the wisdom, the knowledge, you pursue that. You incline your heart to his word. But guess what happens if you don't? Wisdom. You go and read in Proverbs 2. It says, I will laugh at you in the, in the day of calamity. Do you think that God, no, it's because you haven't inclined your heart. You haven't embraced us. And like Corin mentioned, when we have trouble, when we have stuff, if you haven't got your heart grounded, you'll be all fearful and everything else because you don't know him. You don't know he's your, your heart. And it's hard to learn to swim when the Titanic is sinking. Now's the time. Now is the time to get your heart established in truth. Now is the time. I say, I kind of feel sorry for Hamas that involved it. I say this jokingly, okay? Don't take me too serious, all you people. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's just like, listen, I've been to Israel. I've lived in Israel. I know the Israelis. I know how every one of them is prepared. Every one of them. Every girl, every single girl goes to his national service for two years. Every man does at least three years of national service. When they walk around in civilian clothes, they have... They have a rifle around their back. I've seen it. I've been there. I've been on kibbutzes. I lived on kibbutzes. We had bomb shelters there. Those guys are well prepared. And guess what? Their resolve is unfaultable. They they are like no other nation on the earth. No other nation. They are like there is no there is complete resolve. Whether it was Yom Yom Kippur war or the or the Six Day War, whatever war it is, what it is, when they had multiple nations, I think they had four Arab nations back then. You got to study their history. Four Arab nations invaded them from the south, from the east, from the north. I mean, uh, they were invaded and they defeated them, not just by the power of God, but I'm telling you, their resolve is unflinching. I I know one of my family members actually did a course with this current president Netanyahu. And he told me a little bit about his personality. And, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. But this guy, I'm telling you, if anybody you've got to feel sorry for, you can feel sorry for Hamas. Because they are going to get ripped a new one. And I'm not saying that there aren't casualties. There's casualties with every war, and that's tragic. But there's going to be a lot of casualties. When, when, you, when you mess with Israel, buckle up. So I, this, is, this is small, in my mind, it's small potatoes. What they've done is they poked the bear. That's, right. That's what they did. That's right. So literally, but like Corin says, even the enemies we pray for. Because everybody needs salvation. And just so that you know, most, of his, most Israelis don't even acknowledge God. It's just so you know, they actually reject God. They are very, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, secular, thank you. Very secular. There's a small percentage of the Israeli population that even acknowledge that God exists. Sorry, I was there. I lived there. Listen to them. Talk. Ah, this is just stories. 
They know the history. They don't believe in God. Most, and I'm not saying, I'm just telling you, there is always a remnant, though. There is always a remnant. But I'm just saying, though it's one nation, they'll be fine. But we do pray. Pray as the Lord prays, sets them on your heart. Amen. Any case. Sorry, I don't know. I just digress a little bit. <laughs> but it's going to be good. But just pray for them as the Lord leads you. But saved, here, back into this, um, this, this Romans, it says that, um, that saved, that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And like I said, the heart is important to understand. You incline your heart. You're the one that writes on the tablets of your heart. It says it in Romans, uh, Proverbs 3 and in Proverbs 7, I think it is. You write on the tablets of your heart. You can inscribe things on the tablets of your heart, right? Anyhow, I digress. But saved is so much more. We've got to grasp this. Saved is saved, safety. Um, it's healed. It's delivered from danger. Man, listen to this. Uh, if, you, if you go and study this in the Thayers, not only is it delivered from danger, it's, delivered from, the molest, it's the, delivered from the molestation of enemies. You're blessed. It, you're prospered. You're protected. You're made whole. You're set, you're set apart and sanctified. That is what the word soteria or saved means. Listen to that. That is way more than when you die in the sweet by and by, you're going up in the sky. That is way more than going to heaven. That's way, thank God for the, the great forgiveness of salvation. That our sins have been taken on, on the cross. And, and they, were, they were punished. And, and, the, and the faith righteousness was given to, uh, given to us who would believe. We receive this by grace through faith and all of that. Thank God. But it's so much more. We have been taught that only bits of salvation is for salvation. But every part was included. When he says saved here, believe in your heart you will be saved. The pathway to salvation is always the same. In fact, in Hebrews 6, when it talks about the foundations of the faith, and it says that, that it talks about that, that um, um, I don't even have it called up, but I'm in, in Hebrews chapter 6, it says, uh, I'm trying to remember it offhand, it says that if the resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgments, I think that the resurrection of the dead talks about the resurrection of the dead. Thank you. Joy, that's good. The resurrection of the dead. That word is very interesting because the dead is actually deads. It's a plural word. And the resurrection is singular. You know why? Because death, remember I spoke about a continuum in the beginning of this series. Death is a continuum. Death in all its shapes and forms is a continuum. Every little bit of darkness, every little bit of sickness is a form of death. Everything that's not God, everything that's not light, everything is a slow form of death. And it says that, but this, laying on of words, the resurrection of all the kinds of death, the resurrection. There is one resurrection. Whose? Jesus. And we can participate in it. There is a lot to be said in this. So, and we, and we, will, we are going to get into this. But, but it's so saved or sozo speaks of all that Jesus died to give. So it's, it encompasses every dimension. I wrote it down here like this. Every dimension of what Jesus conquered, every aspect of his victory, every aspect of newness of life provided through his death, burial, and resurrection. Every aspect through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So we've spoken about 
this, but the beliefs of your heart are so powerful because what you, what, the identity that you allow yourself to create in your heart, that you and I have got this responsibility to, as I've said, write on the tablets of your heart. But your heart carries your identity. And that needs reprogramming. Because we've been told that we're a, you know, like a, a worm and we're a, a sinning worm and blah, 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 whatever. You, if you see yourself, you carry your identity, you've got to be able to change, get the eyes of your heart open to see who you truly are in Christ. To see your new identity because your heart carries your identity. You act out of your identity. If you believe you're a thief, you will steal. When you believe you're an honest man, you won't. What's the difference? What you believe about yourself. When you find out what Jesus did for you, who you are, your, and your identity gets established in your heart, that's where change is going to come. That's when life is going to flow. You know why it isn't? Because we haven't learned, and we'll get into this later on. I'm just throwing out some seeds here. You're gonna, that's why it's put off the old man, renew your mind, and put on the new. There's the only way to New Testament transformation. That's the only way. Not anything magical, not a, but all, what, anything else, any kind of formula or, that you do. No amount of counseling outside of this counseling that you have to learn to put off the old man, renew your mind, and put on the new. And we'll get to that. Yes. We will get to that, but probably not today. But you see, your mind, your mind is where you start the process. Your mind is, is, is yeah, it's very, it's very limited because it's, it, it will, your mind will jump to protect your ego. That's right. Wow. Your mind will jump to protect your ego. It will say, Oh, don't, this is what you've always thought. Your, your head will always want to reject that. But your heart will always want to establish your identity. We all have egos. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Guess what the pride of life is? Your ego. Well, that's not me. I don't do this. I, I don't like that. I don't, I don't shop at Walmart. I'm sorry. <laughs> Pride of life, right? Our egos. But that's why I can't even go into all these foundations I've been teaching you for ages. But that's why we speak about repentance. Repentance is a willingness to change your mind. If you're not willing to change your mind, that's what repentance is about. It's got nothing to do with tears and snot at the altar or what you call this is not the altar. This, these steps, that's got nothing. It's got everything to do with a willingness to change your mind. That's what repentance is. Change your mind. Metanoia. Change. Metanoia. Mind. Metanoia. That's what repentance is. A willingness to change your mind. Okay? So let me ask you this question. If you could see everything from God's point of view. If you could see everything from God's point of view, how would that change things for you? If you could see how God saw... Whatever situation you're facing, whether it's a sickness, disease, terminal illness, an emotional thing, a, a financial issue, a desperate issue, 
Whatever it is that you can recall to mind, if you could see that, if, if, if you saw, if Jesus was standing next to you, and you could step into Jesus and say, Jesus, how do you see this in? And you could look through his eyes. Do you think he'd be worried? I know, it sounds kind of silly. Do you think he's worried about what's happening in the world uh, in the sense that it's, cons- it's like, oh, I'm stressing out, you know? No. There's no fear in him. That's right. There's only light and light. So his, how you see, how you see everything is going to affect whether you and determine whether you're going to experience victory. Yes. Because you can get your heart programmed with a perspective of seeing things like God sees them. Aligning your heart, that's aligning your heart with truth. That is putting on the new man, which we will get to. Okay? That's the only way to real transformation. Actually, um, got a couple minutes here. Yeah, they are. Okay. This is what Christians normally do. We feel that it's our responsibility to, when we get born again, we, we think that we've got to brush ourselves up, do a little better, pull up our socks. So when we give our lives to Jesus, we, we do this. Here you go, God. Here's my life. This is what Paul calls it. Can you see? Can you see in the back there? It's a little bit small. It's poop. This is what we do. This is what we do. We say, Jesus, I'm just going to try a little bit. So somebody's like, ugh. I wouldn't give God poop. No, 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 you wouldn't. You're way better than giving God the poop of your life. You see, because Paul, that's what Paul said in Philippians 3. He says, I'm casting all these degrees and my religious qualifications and my theology, theology degrees. I've got a doctorate in theology, don't you know? He says, I'm casting it out like... He's literally the word he uses. Scandalon, if you want to know what it is in... Poop. No, it's not. It's something. It's not scandalous. It's similar. I figured. No, no. We're, you see, we're, we're, not, we're not like that. What we do is we say, I'm going to try a whole lot better. I'm not going to be like those Christians that just give poop. I'm going to do this. I have got shiny poop. I've got gilded poop. Oh, here you go, Lord. Here is my, here is my shiny poop. Nice. It's so pretty. Don't you like my poop? It's so golden. I didn't think he would do that in church. (laughs) But we think we can brush up ourselves and try a little harder and do a little better. Let me tell you, there's only one thing you've got to learn, and we're going to get into those beautiful scriptures You've got to learn that anything you did doesn't exist. It died. 
There is nothing that you can give God where you've got to brush yourself up and pull your socks up a little bit and look a little bit better. Pretend that you don't argue with your wife on the way into church or husband or whatever, whatever. You've got to learn to put that old man to death. Realize, not put him to death, realize with the eyes of your heart and your understanding that he is dead. Stop trying to make your poop shiny. <laughs> Do you understand? Are you hearing me? There is a place that we've got to learn to give more to hear. Now, when you say, you see, God's point of view in 2 Kings, there's a, there's a story of Elisha, and, and you know it where, where they, send, um, they send a whole army, surrounds them, uh, at the city, because uh, I think it's in Dothan, uh, in, in, and the, 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 uh, Elisha's servant is terrified because there's thousands or whatever of people around surrounding the city, and they've come to get Elisha because Elisha was speaking exactly what was happening in the Syrian army to the Israeli king. They knew what was happening. So the, they sent these people to capture Elisha, and and so the, the servant is looking and just seeing this massive Syrian army around here. And remember the words that, um, and Elisha says, do, he says this in verse 16 of 2 Kings 6, 6, 6, do not fear those with us are more than those who are with them. Lord, he said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Listen, they didn't show up when he prayed. His eyes were opened to what was there. Because he was looking at things at the flesh level. The young man, Elisha could see what was happening. Because he was looking with the eyes of his heart. We've got to learn to educate ourselves and they are with the eyes of our hearts, okay? So, so this is the thing. There's this verse that and I'm going to, I don't want to go too long because I know I've been very full these last couple of weeks because I've been building up with all these bits and pieces. But Romans 3.23 is a scripture we've also used mostly for um, for for salvation and says this for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus in verse 24 so if you go back to yeah for all have sinned thanks to for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God all have sinned okay now what does that mean? Well, you've heard me talk about this a, a number of times, but when we talk about the glory of God, the God's glory is His view and opinion of reality. Yes, it also means that there, there's so many definitions of doxa, and in different contexts it is used that it's, it is an outshining, it's a, but it's more than just a shininess. It, it, it's the glory of God's everything and His preeminence, who He is. It dominates the situation, floods everything else. It overpowers anything else. The glory of God when it's brought into the situation. So, so here it says when all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, that's one of the things about sin. Sin corrupts. Not, not only is there the physical consequence of sin. Sin does have consequences. Remember, we've spoken about this before. Not because God issues consequences. Your sin was paid for on the cross. Hear that. Every one of your sins was paid for on the cross. God loves you 
whether you sin or not. But listen, if you are sinning, sin does, is more than what, what Jesus paid for on the cross. Sin is its own pacemaster. This, you know, the wages of sin is death. It brings part of the continuum of death. Why? Because of this. It says you fall short of the glory of God. You see, sin comes in and it brings a different view and opinion that you latch onto in your heart. You start seeing things not as God sees them. You can't see when you are trapped in the, the confines of your, your, your blindness and your darkness. You can't see the way things truly are. You allow, we allow ourselves to get trapped in the confines of sin. Not because Jesus isn't paid of it, but we feel like this is the only, and we start seeing things not the way God sees them. That's what's so, that's what's so, the word sin literally means is harmatia in, in, in often. It's not the only word for sin, there's others as well. But there's, harmatia means to miss the mark, aimed for. The image is, a, is, a, is an archer shooting and missing the mark. God's, God wants you to see things the way they really are. But we're trapped in this matrix of the world. The mindset that has been lied to, that you've adopted from your traditions and your religion and mama said this and whatever. Life is a box of chocolate, whatever. It's just like you get all of these, these viewpoints that you've adopted as your go-to. Your mind will protect you. I know this. This is right. You will argue it on Facebook and at home and everything because I know this is the way it is. But sin, and we all get, can get tainted by sin, but that's why repentance is so important. Do you want to see things the way God sees them? Is the question. Because I'm telling you, if you want to see things the way God, it is going to be a journey that you don't, we don't reach the end of in this age. And I'm pretty convinced that there's some things that are going to even be progressive in heaven. I know we'll see Him, we'll like Him because we shall see Him as He is. I, I think because God is eternal and immortal and invisible, I think we're going to, we, we are going to be seeing the constantly learning. And so as we join together on this journey, we've got, as we bring humble and repentant heart, because blessed are those who are hum, 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 hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. God lifts up, the, you know, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord in due time. He will lift you up. Humility and, and, and the willingness to be repentant is not just something you did in 1973 when you got born again or whenever it was. It's a willingness to embrace what God has, the truth that God has, amen? And as you just walk this journey, and, and, and you guys, you, let me tell you, you can't walk it. There's a part of it you have to walk alone because nobody can, you are the only conductor of your heart. So that's why Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else. You are the one that's got to incline your heart. You're the one that's got to ride on your heart. You are the one. All of those things are only you. But there's this other part that you've got to do that in, in, a, in relationships. There's safety in relationships. I didn't, I didn't even have this. I'm, I'm going to kind of wrap this up here. But, but I'm telling you, I, I see the spirit of Antichrist separating. And I was praying about this. I was just thinking, I know he separates. The isolation that is being caused by 
technology particularly and other things is to se- it I believe it's a demonic inspiration not because I don't like technology but because it separates yes. when it is separating it's not good there's more and more people and listen I thank love you all that are online it's great that we can stream to the world but I'm telling you you need to be in relationship with the body there's a reason that God said I'm the vine and you are the branches there's a reason said that each joint supplies because as you get separated I saw this in Africa I would go to the Kruger Park my dad mom and dad would take us almost twice a year and we were in the wild and you get to see a lot of things in the wild and you know what the enemy is like a roaring lion right but I tell you what that's exactly how a lion hunts he separates they spy out the weak one in the herd oh there's a newborn (laughs) easy pickings there's an old one there's a sick one easy pickings they separate they separate it until that one is alone I'm telling you, there is safety in relationships. Even though relationships and we're imperfect, you can get hurt in relationships. You've got to learn to, tr- you've got to, learn to trust. Please, don't give your trust away. Come on now. Learn to trust. People have to earn trust. Come on. <laughs> yes, we have to love, but sometimes you've got to love from a distance. Love and trust are not the same thing. Love and trust are not the same thing. Some people have broken trust and you cannot trust them. Christians, you can love them, but they may have to build up their trust again. But I'm telling you, it's important to be in relationship with people. It's important to walk this out. You are a part of the body. Each joint supplies. You're not all that and a bag of chips. We all add a valuable part to the body. We all need one another. We all need one another. I need your strengths. I have a lot of friends around me. I've got friends in this church. I've got relationships. Yeah, I've got friends. I've got minister friends that I give permission to speak into my life. We have a very open... I've got to say the wrong word. We have a very honest relationship, Carl and I. Yes, word, word definitions are very important. <laughs> but it's important. It's important to be honest and open. And telling you, I mean, words are another thing. The, the, so many words have been redefined today that we've got to be watched. Like, like I said, who controls or defines the word controls everything. That's right. We've got to learn that God's word has got definitions. We've got to learn His definition. Yes. We can't overlay our definitions. We can't assume our definitions. Every word you've got to mean, every word is God defines. God defines only. And this is something, like I said, just enjoy the journey, folks. Enjoy the journey. Keep your heart humble. Be teachable. Let that hold the Holy Spirit. If you don't, man, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be. 
And I say, Phil, the Holy, I believe if you're born again, the Holy Spirit does indeed, indeed dwell inside you. I do not believe it's separate. But the same, at the same time, there is, there is a place for you being filled with the Holy, overflowing, flowing out of, your, of your, out of your heart. There are rivers of living water. There's all the benefits that we talk constantly at overflow about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. He is the teacher of the church. You need him. You need him. Okay, so we don't do this on our own. He is with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He teaches us. He opens the word of God to you. Yes. Amen. Amen. I, I'm going to stop there because I know that this has been full as it is. And, and we're just going to carry on. I, I feel I, I can't give you more than that. And we'll just unpack that along the way. Okay, is that all right with you? Amen. But I want to encourage you, go back. As many times as it, as, it hap- as you need to. Go and download the free podcast on your podcast player and listen to it when you're driving somewhere. Because I know that if your heart is hungry, you will hear things that you never heard the first time or the second time or the third time. I challenge you. It happens to me all the time. You can listen to a message three, four, five, six, seven, and I bet you, if your heart is open, you'll hear something that you never heard the first time. I want to encourage you, plant the seed, use the seed of God. Don't let the seed of God's word just lie on the hard, hardened soil of, and just let it disappear. Amen. This is important. God loves us so much. We, you have got a great calling. This body, as this body and, and being in part of the body of Christ, we, we have things to do. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Father, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your goodness and faithfulness. Thank you for open hearts. Father, thank you that you hear us when we speak, our hearts cry out. I speak peace. I know some hearts and just reach out to the Lord and just say, Lord, I'm telling you, he meets you exactly where you're at. He loves you more than you know. His salvation is greater than you can imagine. You can and you are designed to live in His victory. To receive, you are worthy of His love. To walk in His love, dwell in His love. To be a channel of His love. Just decide to respond to that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for working in our hearts. We choose to keep a heart that is humble and teachable. Lord, we choose to incline our hearts to what you're saying. We we choose, we choose to hear what your word has to say. What your word has to say. I speak that release in Jesus' name. 
Many of you, when you know when your heart opens like I'm, I know is happening right now, it's amazing what happens. We don't even have to pray for sicknesses and emotional issues because they just leave. When you open your heart to truth and light comes in, things just leave. And so just breathe that in and receive your healing. Receive your healing. It was paid for. It was paid for. You are worthy. You are greatly loved. Thank you, Father. Just let the Holy Spirit do His work now and as we get ready to go from here, just continue just to determine, even right now, just say, you know what, when I open my eyes here, I'm not going to switch that off. I'm not going to close my heart. I choose this to be the way I hear from God. I want to walk more towards that. Be more open to Him. More open to His Word. I choose that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Man. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's beautiful. telling you your Lord loves you. When you open your heart like that, I can just sense his pleasure. So many of you have just opened your heart to it just a way. I'm just, I can sense his pleasure. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Uh, so don't let this end um, as we get ready to close here. Um, you know, if you're here this morning or you're online watching and you, you can respond to the number on your screen if you're here. As always, we have awesome prayer ministers. And you know, Keith and Sue are here and Stephen and Lisa are here. They're phenomenal prayer ministers. They know how to agree with you. They know how to hear beyond your words. They know how to hear. But, but you know what? I know we have many ministers in amongst you too. Thank you for ministering to one another. Thank you for loving one another. Thank you for being His salt and light. His hands and feet amongst us. Amen. Amen. Let's give glory, glory to God as we just leave today. Amen. Thank you.